probably the best kid on our team. He plays receiver, and I wasn't getting a lot out of him last last year, particularly in, in, in camp and training camp. I mean, he was he was there every day. wasn't that, but uh, as far as his best effort, I got it maybe 40, 50 percent of the time. And I had a conversation with you, and you 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 said, uh, well, just ask him how good do you want to be. Mm. You know, what do you want your legacy to be? And uh, him and I had a conversation, and you know, I just kept I kept on him and on him and on him. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm watching this film now, and he was absolutely phenomenal on Friday night. I mean, doing all the things that we've been talked about as far as running to the sideline once you catch the ball, protecting yourself, watching it all the way in, knows the ball, right? Uh, I mean, his route running has, has gotten crisp. I mean, he's now he's becoming the player that that I envisioned. That he could become, and now he's getting the most out of his talent, and he's he's a, he's a better young man for it. And um, to me, that the, the light bulb has absolutely clicked with him. Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Tory. Let's get better together. Hey everyone, welcome to the Culture Classroom. I'm here with a special guest on a Sunday night edition. We're getting ready for our first game in week zero. And uh, talked to one of my coaching buddies today and said, you know what, why don't I get you on the podcast? So that's where we are tonight. And uh, gonna be a good one. He's at Kentucky Country Day School. He's a wide receiver coach, offensive coordinator. Has a bunch of good material coming at you tonight. And uh, Jimmy, welcome to the program, man. Thank you, Coach. Thanks for, thank you for having me. Oh, yeah. This is uh, one of those fun things where in the culture classroom, we just uh, – and we like having fun and getting coaches on and seeing about their journey and where they started and where they are and what success looks like and, and stuff like that. So, I guess my, my first initial question to you, going back uh, when we connected and about position groups and building a culture and stuff like that, what does success look like just in your program, in your wide receiver unit? What, how do you define success? Because fall camp is over. A lot of camp games are about to start happening these next two weeks. Um, so how are you going to look at defining success? Well, first of all, as you know, it all starts with relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's what drew me to, to you in particular and, and, your, and your program as far as the uh, ARB goes. And uh, I, I read through your book there and um, – Honestly, Coach, that really helped me form an unbelievable relationship with, with my current players. And when that when those relationships started forming, then then the coaching really took off from there. And I mean, these kids they have bought in 100% as far as uh, having a having an identity, as far as our wide receiver room is concerned. And uh, now I'm seeing it, seeing their play on the field uh, just absolutely blossom. And, and um, you know, I can't thank you enough for, for sharing that resource with me um, and Coach Simpson as well, Kenny Simpson. You know, going through his OC Academy was just accelerated my coaching knowledge just tremendously. And um, it, it has been just fantastic. The past year and a half, I've, I've learned so much as far as not only X's and O's, but just how to, how to connect better with kids and, and how to be a better leader. And, um, you know, that's what it's all about. We're just trying to make better young men and their um, – and to go on to everyday life and be successful husbands and, and fathers and all that. So, um, again, I just can't thank you enough. You and Coach Simpson have actually connected with a Coach Chip, who's uh, good friends with Kenny Simpson as well, and listen to a lot of his 
videos and uh, I'm actually going to start coaching O-line starting Monday. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, oh, wow. Yeah. So well, coach Chip has been, uh, has been vital in helping me get ready for that. So, um, again, just the, the, the past year or so, ever since I started the OC Academy and then, and then hooked up with you, yeah. is has just been tremendous. And, uh, again, I can't thank you enough and, and how much you've helped me grow as a coach and, and as a leader. Well, I appreciate that. Um, what, what I want to get into, you said two words that have been on my heart for a long time, and you said connect people are those two words, and it's all about people, and when we connect, because I talked to our kids probably a week and a half ago, and I said, look, football is just a vehicle, but you can't have football without people. And when you start looking at leadership and you start looking at management, it's it's people think that's the same thing, and uh, when you look at Seth Godin and how he talks about there's a difference between leadership and management and a boss and kind of giving direction, but then you look at a leader is servant. Well, our last core value and our and our core values for our football program is S for Patriots, and it's serve. And I told our guys, I said, without without people, you don't have football. And my goal for you is to be leaders is how you serve others. So how's the first team guy going to make the third team guy better? And how's the second team guy going to make the first team guy better? And hearing you say connecting and it's all about people and it's about getting them on the same path, whether it's football or baseball or basketball or you're the CEO of a company, uh, that's and you're in it for the right reason. And, and I knew that before we even recorded this podcast that, that you were in on that. So let's go back to eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, whenever you started playing ball, what drew you into athletics? I guess my dad just, you know, throwing ball in the backyard. And then, um, and then I, I started watching football at a very early age. I remember, I can remember the first play I ever saw was Super Bowl 21. John Elway throws a 60-yard touchdown at Ricky Nateel early in the game against the Redskins, and and, and just watching that, I was like, wow, this is this is a great sport. This is really cool. And uh, and I mean, I remember even in grade school, you know, sitting drawing up plays on a notebook, and my friends at the time saying, you know, <laughs> uh, you're going to be a coach one day. Oh, wow. So uh, just always been drawn to the sport. Um, you know, as a player, just was very average, played receiver and tight end, and I could catch okay, but. Couldn't run very fast, and obviously not very big. So, um, you know, didn't, didn't have a great playing career. Although, I actually, did play a year in college at, at the University of Louisville. Uh, walked on and had a great experience there. So, um, as soon as that was over with, uh, that's when I got into coaching. And at the high school level, that's where I've been for uh, the ten years I have coached. It's been all high school. So, um, but just again, just the relationships, the the people, yeah. the sport itself, just the the strategy that goes into football, the X's and O's, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, just a huge fan of, of everything about it. And I'm a big history, NFL history guy too. Like I, I mean, love the Super Bowls, love seeing how teams won, you know, the strategy that went into how teams won those things, and and, and what happened to teams that lost and why they lost. Just all that stuff has just been a, just been, always been fascinated with that, with those kind of things. And uh, to me, it's just it's just the greatest sport. Yeah, well, let's start. Yeah, well, let, let's talk about this transition real quick because you're coaching now and you've been in it and you love the game. So now you're making this transition from wide receivers, which were predominantly prima donnas, right? You, you had to kind of reel them in. You got to understand that, hey, there's six things that have to happen before you even get a pass, all that stuff. So now you're going to go right. coach what I think has to be the most close-knit group on the field. Like that has to be, and it's the O-line. Those five guys – 
pretty much predetermine if the team's going to be successful or not on a Friday night. So what's going through your mind? You coach O-line now. How do you – because, look, connecting with receivers has to be totally different than connecting with offensive linemen. Because if I know any offensive line guy and I know our offensive line coach, he really has to dive into those guys. And people are like, oh, you're different. Their O-line's different. Yeah, because they're hitting on somebody every play. Uh, so yep. what's your mentality going to this? What, what's kind of your MO? What, what's some stuff that you're going to make that group be close-knit and, and kind of form relationships with that group? Well, luckily, obviously, I've been at KC now for, for three years, so I have a really good relationship with most of these guys already. I mean, I, you know, I have most of their numbers, and I mean, I'm in contact with them daily, so the relationships are already there. Um, and then we got a, we got a good young group that I'm going to mainly be in charge of, so uh, I'm excited about that. But um, yeah, it's definitely going to be different as far as receivers and O line. I mean, as far as the mentality and things of that nature, but. Um, Again, the, the relationships are already there, and um, I, I feel like I can hit the ground running with those guys. I mean, I've already been coaching them a little bit, kind of here and there. I've been – luckily, we uh, we got a receiver coach in there now um, that actually played in the NFL, had a great career in college. So, I'm you know, I completely trust him to take <laughs> right. my guys that, that I've uh, kind of groomed, I feel like, the past couple of years. And, and, you know, I've got a good senior group in there, so I feel like they can – you know, they'll, they'll connect with him right away, and, and, and it'll be a, a real smooth transition. Nice. Well, let, let's talk about this because here's here's the million-dollar question. And you and I talked about that on the phone earlier today, about getting into play calling, right? Yes, sir. What kind of offense are you going to run? I know there's a lot of people look out there, and they're like, hey, I want, I want slow tempo. We talked about what, time of possession, how that's afterthought now. Uh, what's kind of y'all's MO when you start looking at play calling and – you know, Sunday nights when we're recording this, we do a, a lot of stuff. And I want to get into how y'all kind of restructured how you meet as a staff. I think that could be beneficial for people that are listening to this that are coaches. But what goes into your your game planning, your Sunday, and kind of kind of take me through your Sunday through your Friday for those coaches that are like, you know what, I really want to dive into being a play caller or being a position coach. And what are some things that you have found that have worked well? And what are some things that you found that – hey, I don't need to do this anymore. I did this for seven years, and it didn't work well, and I just cut it, and I added this. Okay. Well, I'll start with Sundays. Uh, typically, the last couple of years, we have met right around 2 o'clock, and we would, we would be there until around 7. And um, honestly, I, I didn't really feel like that was very productive because I'm, I'm blessed with the kind of job that I have. Um, I can do a lot of my work during the week, during the day. So um, – that's when I can get my stuff done. Cause as you know, you married with kids. I mean, when you're home, you, that's where you got to spend time with them. You can't, you know, be in front of the computer, breaking down film. So, um, for me, th- those long Sunday meetings are just, are just unnecessary. You know, guys, you know, they, they have time throughout their weekend to, to get stuff done as far as film work or evaluating their players. So I would recommend to any head coach that you don't require your staff to be there all day on Sunday. I know, Coach Simpson has his guys come in at different times, which I think is great. Um, but as far as what we're going to do this year, we're going to meet from one to two as a staff, and then from after that, you're, you're basically on your own. Culture Classroom is sponsored by Pro Quick Draw, the dynamic playbook solution for modern coaches. Let technology work for you with time saving features to eliminate the busy work so you can spend more time coaching. Our subscription comes with starter templates, stencils, 
and plays for you to begin building your playbook quickly. Give us a try for 30 days and keep all the templates you make during your trial. That's Pro Quick Draw. And uh, I have a an, an older coach. He coaches our quarterbacks. Scott's 75. He's absolutely outstanding. And he's my main game plan guy that I go through uh, scenarios with. And when I will we'll come up with things, and if we need to contact uh, another position coach, we will. And uh, I always welcome those guys to be involved in that if they want to. But last year it was just him and I. So um, we've got a little bit bigger staff this year, so I might have some more guys involved in that game plan. But game plan aspect, but as, as far as this year, um, like I said, we'll meet for an hour as a staff. And then uh, I'll meet with the quarterback coach for about an hour, hour and a half. And then we're out of there. And then if you know something comes up during the week, I'll just call them. We'll just talk on the phone. I mean, to me, there's you said it earlier, we don't need to watch till it work. Yeah. There's no reason to be in there all day. I mean, that just makes our wives angry. <laughs> so we don't need that. That's right. Right? That's uh, right. But, you know, and then getting in the rest of the week, we're, uh, we typically practice from 3.45 to around 5.45, 6 just depending on if we're lifting that day or if there's film, that might be a little bit longer day. But we're typically 3.45 to 6. And then, of course, Monday nights, got the JV game. And I, uh, I'm also the JV offensive coordinator, play caller. So, very involved in that and then um yeah typically we're out of there by about six six fifteen ish during the week then of course the games on friday nights and we don't do anything on saturdays i know some some teams a lot of teams do saturday morning lifts and things of that nature but our kids are off saturday and sunday so um they get two days off every week and uh that's our that's our, that's our head coach's thing and he, he believes in that and uh, i don't have a problem with that you know i can if i want to jump on a zoom call with my receivers or off the line out of the ability to do that so yeah you know, I, to I me, think COVID did a lot of that for us I think a co- I think COVID helped with that knowing that you can communicate without being sure. in front of each other and, and all that stuff so you know I told you and you alluded to it that we we don't want to watch each other work I think that's one of the worst things <laughs> how many times you sit there and you're all watching the same play and you're like I see the same thing you are like <laughs> yeah what do you want that's me to do uh, so that's big I want to I want to shift to your play calling. I mean, I think a lot of people have that kind of philosophy of how you game plan. You know, Sundays, and I love what you said though. Like not watching, you go from one to two, and I think that's a big thing. Like, hey, make make your time work for you. And if you're there from one to two, be laser focused. And I, I think Nick Saban outlines his days by every three minutes. Like every three three minutes, President Obama is every six minutes. But you start looking at those things and. I, where your attention goes, your energy is going to flow with that. So let's be intentional with that time. So that's awesome that you're going to go from one to two and meet with your staff. And then like, hey, if you need anything else, now obviously they're going to send you stuff and like, hey, you have all your stuff that you can start formulating sure. what you're going to call because you're going to, you know, play the game out Monday through Thursday and then you're going to call the game on Friday. Um, but what's your philosophy on play calling? Uh, are you a, are you a zone guy? Are you a down and distance? Are you tempo is it floor is all yours i uh i, I would i believe in being extremely aggressive especially early in the game to me i, I want to come out and, and get a lead you know i want to be up i want to score 21 28 points in that first half feel good about ourselves going to halftime hopefully be up by two or three touchdowns and then to me at that point it gets a little bit easier to run the ball to me, you know, it's a lot harder to take on down blocks and kickouts when you're down by three touchdowns as opposed to when the game is tight. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm going to run all my best stuff in those first two series. The stuff that I'm on film that I think, you know, 
concepts we can take advantage of or particular players, we're going to see that early. Yeah. And we're going to try to hit a big play. You know, we're gonna, we, I, I like to receive the football. You know, I want to get up 7 nothing as fast as I can. Right. And to me, that just energizes our entire team. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's a little bit different than my head coach. He's more of a traditional kind of ground and pound, uh, be conservative, let's play good defense and, and things like that. And uh, to me, I think the game is shifting more in, 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 the, in the aggressive kind of nature. I mean, there's all, of course, there's a time to run the football and, and be conservative. But I think when the, when the game is at 0-0, that, to me, that's the best time to, to be aggressive and yeah. to go after, you know, a big play or even run a, a trick play. To yeah. me, it, it, when your kids have the most energy and they're, and they're excited, that, to me, that's the best time. So I would categorize myself as an aggressive play caller. Uh, we are a gap scheme team, uh, mainly because a lot of our kids go both ways. Mm. And... Um, you know, obviously, zone to me takes a little bit more teaching, uh, more focus. Uh, with our guys having to play O line and D line and learn our defense scheme, gap scheme was was the was the better way to go. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're a gap scheme team. We're we're I formation based, uh, but we're a big play action team. Bootlegs. Um, we also have the ability to get in, in, in trips and two by two. And we, uh, I, sometimes I use the tight end. Sometimes I won't. I'm, I'm a big uh, personnel package. You know, 20 personnel, 22 personnel, 21 personnel. Mm-hmm. I like to have names for everything. My kids get into it. I mean, it's, it's we have a lot of fun with it. So, um, yeah, I like to involve a bunch of players, get the ball to, you know, five, six, seven, eight kids a night. Uh, but obviously in the crunch time and when the game's on the line, I'm, I'm going to the, to the top go-to guys. Yeah. But uh, to me, you know, more the more kids get involved, more buy-in you have, and, and just it just makes you a better team overall. Yeah, I'll, I'll certainly agree with that. I think – a lot of times, and I don't know, I, I don't know coaches. I've never been on a staff that has done this, but you go and you, you script out everything that you do, and I, I don't think you can do that. You know, we were, um, I was listening to Mac, uh, goodness, uh, Leftwich, Mac Leftwich. Remember that guy that was at Texas no. State? I just listened to him on Play Callers Club uh, this afternoon. Our head coach was like, you need to listen to this, and he said he didn't know what he's calling until like. 30 seconds before he calls the first play of the game. And that just got me oh, thinking, wow. like, you know, there's a lot of P and 10 teams. The defensive coordinator has what they're going to do that first play of the drive, of every drive they start, especially in the game. Like, are they going to be aggressive or this? Well, I think if you script out that you're going to run inside zone with an RPO or mid zone with an RPO or you're going to take a shot first play, I think if you start figuring out what's this defensive coordinator going to do? I can look at, say, hey, P and 10, he's coming out. He's going to be super aggressive. I'm going to take – I'm going to go and be the aggressor on that end. And instead of, like, playing a conservative, what's he going to do? I think you can match that. Uh, so, what about you? What about when you go out and you call a game, what's your, um, what's your MO with that? Are you going to script it? Are you going to – what's your philosophy with that? I definitely have a script, but I'm also extremely flexible. Right. And I'll script out for 10 to 15. I like to have uh, drive starters. But if, you know, if something is, is, is working or if I see a particular matchup we can exploit, I'll, I'll get off of that. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it comes from what I learned in, in the Office Coordinator Academy. I mean, Coach Simpson, he gave, you a, gave us a template for our play call sheet, and I use some of the stuff off that. But, uh, but to me, the more you play the game throughout the week, the more you imagine those scenarios, that's when, to me, Friday nights, it's just fun. It doesn't have to be a whole lot of thinking. You just react. 
I mean, you know, you look down at your sheet and you've got three or four calls for third and six plus, or, or you know, you got a red zone call that you like, or you know, uh, a sudden change play. I mean, when you have all that stuff and you and, you, and the kids know what they are, right. then uh, <laughs> that just puts you so much ahead of That's true. the curve. Um, That's true. Remember that first year at KCD, uh, our offensive coordinator was kind of a well, let's just wait to see what they're in. Let's just wait to see what what happens. And I felt like that wasn't a great way to to, to call offense because I felt like we weren't prepared. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, to me, like we are so much more prepared now to uh, to be in those situations, and, and the kids and the kids respond to it, and they're and they're calmer, and they play better in those situations. So uh, I think the more work you put in during the week, uh, it, it pays off on Friday night. All right, well, I'm gonna put you on the spot. Third and three. To win, uh, to solidify the game, third and three. What you going to? Ninety-three slant. Awesome. We have. I have a six-five X. That that he says that's his best route, and we see a lot of cover three. So uh, I'll go slant arrow to the field, and uh, you know that force player takes away the uh, slant, and we're just throwing it down to the arrow. Who's another good athlete, and he'll give me those three yards. Nice. So I'm putting my two best guys. <laughs> And a good concept against a defense I'm more likely to see. Yeah, I love it. You think players, not plays on that, right? It's what they know. It's what they trust. They know who's going to get the ball. And uh, it sure does make a good coach when those players are, are knowing what's expected. And, and, you know, you said it earlier, like you you let your players make up names of plays and stuff like that. Because I think oh, yeah. the more – I think Andy Reid does that with the Chiefs as well. Uh, and that gives into the, the culture piece of football. It's like, hey, it's what we know and all that stuff. Because people are asking us, like, what are your stuff? I was like, it really doesn't matter what we call it. It's how we signal it. And it's what the signal is that they resonate with because we're nonverbal. But all the name is is for the head coach to signal to me of what to signal in. Like, what is he saying to me so I can signal in and, and the kids know it. So that's back to that relationship piece. I think you got to be uh, relinquish some, some autonomy to let them have some autonomy of like, hey, I'm going to call this, you know, Roger Rabbit or – call this so-and-so or call this you know there's so many things that if you watch the thing on netflix which i binge watch i think you did too i mean i couldn't put it down uh they're like next episode i was like yes how many episodes are left like seven i was like perfect i'll be here give me some popcorn i'm in um but one of them was like roadrunner or something like that and i mean i think you just have fun with it and i think to coaches that are listening to this all these drawn out plays or whatever, it's, it's not really that complicated that you can kind of come into it and, and build a culture of your own within your offensive program to where, hey, how does this cater to my kids? What does this look like for my kids? How do they remember this on Friday night? And then um, the three big words that I like to tell our coaches when we start getting a little, little aggravated and, and the sun's really hot and we're sweaty and the kids aren't doing exactly, the three words are teach, teach, teach. You know, and I got that yes. from PJ Fleck when if you watch this documentary on the Big Ten Network, it was like when he gets kind of overheated and like gets aggravated, it's teach, teach, teach. And he's just reminding himself. And I think that's a big mental cue for a lot of coaches, especially offensive coordinators. You have to be even keel with what you're doing. Uh, can't get too high, can't get too low, but it's just teach, 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 and you keep going through that. Um, so with that, what, what's one of your major accomplishments that you've had as a coach? Like one thing that you can kind of hang your hat on is like, hey, I'm – proud of this maybe it's a kid that was not doing very well as a human being and now they're ceo of a company or something like that or doing really well they've graduated high school and you're like i didn't think that kid was ever going to graduate now he has a master's degree just stuff like that mm-hmm. is there any major one of college or maybe you 
had this kid that just overachieved that was not a really good seventh grader, and he started out being a junior wide receiver and all state and stuff like that. But what's one of your major accomplishments as a coach? I can't think of anything in particular, but just as far as the growth, because uh, I really just got back into coaching uh, two years ago. I, I coached for seven years, got out of it, uh, got married, you know, had a couple, a couple of children, and um, I started playing a lot of golf and thought, well, I'll just do this the rest of my life. And, and uh, it, something was missing, and I had an opportunity to get back into it. And uh, I did three years ago, and just I'm just really proud of the growth from from that point because as a I'm Strictly a wide, still a wide receivers guy, didn't really know what really how to coach or what it was really about, and then just the past you know two years, how, how much of a better feel I had about it now, and then it really again it's a testament to, to you and, and Coach Simpson and, and Coach Chip, um, guys like you guys when you put out those materials that you do, it just helps us coaches grow, and, and when you grow and you start to form those relationships with kids and you see how tremendous they can be you just want to keep getting better right and uh, that's what i'm most proud of is uh i just i'm i'm, I'm getting better as a coach and not only x to nose wise but but relationship wise and uh and, and to me that's what it's all about so no major accomplishment as yet i mean hopefully maybe this season i mean i think we're good enough to compete for a state championship nice. certainly offensively so uh maybe i'll have that under my belt Next time we talk. Well, we'll, we'll, we will definitely revisit that. You're playing in the state championship in December. I'm going to be calling you up and be like, hey, how's this going? Third and three, are you still going to call 93 slant, right? Are you still going to call 93 slant? Um, so with that, uh, my, my thing is success. And I want to look at success because people view that differently. How, how are we successful when – when only one team can kind of win at the end, one team raises the trophy at the end. Uh, I think every team has the law of the lid where you can coach that team to that point. And sometimes it's overachieving, but I know a lot of coaches, they say, we're not successful unless we win a state championship. Well, I, I think that's dead wrong because in the eyes of your kids, if all they see is, hey, we want to win the state championship, and if that's us for us to be successful, we have to win that and we don't, or they're going to deem themselves as unsuccessful every time. So I think that translates to life when you start looking at, I didn't get the job promotion. Well, I'm unsuccessful. I didn't get the job that I wanted the first time. Well, I'm unsuccessful. I think that transcends through time of down their life of, oh, I didn't win. So it kind of plays with that if you're following me on that. But success yes, inside your program, what does it look like inside of Casey? To me, if a kid leaves us better than he came as far as his ability to face adversity, then I feel like that's a huge success. I mean, if we help a kid mature and grow and become a better young man, to me, that, that is the most successful thing we, we can do. And it, yeah. Yeah. whether they continue to play football after high school or they're, they're involved in the game at all, um, if they can think back and, and, and remember the lessons that, that we taught them, to me, that's 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 what we're here to do. Yeah. You know, like we talked about earlier, just just making better young men, better husbands, better fathers um, in the workforce, wherever they're able to face adversity. And, you know, if they don't get the job promotion they want, how do they handle it? How do you respond? Right. You know, just like uh, how, how do you respond when you're down 14 in the fourth quarter? You know, and, and so to me, that, 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 that's why football is just so tremendous. It's just so it's just so many uh, ways to relate to life. Mm -hmm. 
Have you and seen any of that? Some great have you seen any of that in your program? Like, have you seen like the light bulb turn and like a kid didn't think he was successful and it's like, wow, I really can be successful. Do you have any stories like that or just any instances that happens? Absolutely. In fact, uh, you and I talk, talked last summer about uh, probably the best kid on our team. He plays receiver, and uh, I wasn't getting a lot out of him last last year, particularly in, in, in camp and training camp. I mean, he was he was there every day. wasn't that, but uh, as far as his best effort, I got it maybe 40, 50 percent of the time. And I had a conversation with you, and you 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 said, uh, "Well, just ask him how good do you want to be? Mm. You know, what do you want your legacy to be?" And uh, him and I had a conversation. And, you know, I just kept, I kept on him and on him and on him. And now, I mean, I'm, I'm watching this film now, and he was absolutely phenomenal on Friday night. I mean, doing all the things that we've been talking about as far as running to the sideline once you catch the ball, protecting yourself, watching it all the way in, knows the ball, right? Uh, I mean, his route running has, has gotten crisp. I mean, he's now he's becoming the player that, that I envisioned that he could become, and now he's getting the most out of his talent. And... He's he's a better young man for it, and um, to me that the light bulb has absolutely clicked with him, and to me that that just that just warms my heart, you know, and, and just enjoy being around him every single day and just seeing his growth. Yeah, I get the chill bumps when that happens, like those chill bump moments when you when you sure. see it click in their head and and they realize like, hey, I can be this good, and if I put in this amount of effort and I give myself this amount of courage. Uh, I can do that. I can make sure that I am performing at this level. And I remember that conversation. Um, I got that, you know, Angus Reed was on our podcast probably two years ago, and he was talking about Coach Dan, his O-line coach. And he said, so many times we tell kids how good they need to be for us, but we never really ask them, hey, how good do you want to be? And I think when you start looking at kids just like you did with that receiver, like, hey, how good do you want to be? And you put it back on them. Mm-hmm. Then it sparks them of like, what, you don't think like, can I be better? Can I do this? And it starts triggering those questions to them of, hey, I want to be all district. Or do you want to be all district? Do you want to be all state? You know, do you want to be an all state guy? Or do you want to be an all star your senior year? Do you want to be, you know, honorable mention? Do you want to, there's so many things, but it's, you got to put the question on them. And that's very well stated of when you just ask that receiver, like, hey, how good do you want to be? And now the ball's in their court, right? We talk about accountability with players and what that looks right. like inside your program, however you want to hold them accountable. Uh, you know, a lot of coaches say, "Coach, are you coachable? Well, able to be coached? Well, how about a trigger there? Hey, how good do you want to be? And then I'm going to coach you to that level that you want to be. So. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we yeah, got I, mean, I, I just asked him, I said, how, how hard do you want me to be on you? you want me to be? And he said, I want you to be hard on me, coach. And so <laughs> it's like, all right, you asked for it. Exactly. It kind of diffuses the whole situation. Like, hey, you asked for this. Yeah. And the moment that you're like, hey, I, I don't want to be that good. Let me just take a take a few minutes. Well, then that's when you can do that. But I, I just I, I think that's so huge that, like, if you're listening right. to this and that's all you get out of this whole podcast is intentional relationships um, and asking a kid, hey, how good do you want to be when you go into fall camp or when you're going to that first game or the kid's doing less than you think he can? Ask him how good he wants to be. Um, yeah. So my last thing to you before we go tonight, because I know you got work to do. I know you got film to watch. I know you got defenses to break down so you can slice them up um, <laughs> with 93 slant with your big 6'5 receiver. Um, 
What legacy do you want to leave when coaching's over and you put the whistle up? What do you want your legacy to be? I just want my my players to know that, that I care about them. Not only as players on the field, but, but off the field as well. I want players to, to know that that I put in a lot of a tremendous amount of time into helping them be successful and trying to put them in a position to succeed. And um, and I and I think they do. And that that's what I'm most proud of, that they know I'm 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 here to help them and there's no hidden agendas or, or anything like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not an ego guy. I don't care who gets the credit. I just want to see these kids be successful. Yeah. And when you know, when you see a kid work and work and work on the practice field, and then it comes to fruition on Friday night, whether it's a touchdown or a tackle or whatever, it's just uh, it really warms your heart for me. And that's the reason I do it. It's just to see those kids and see that smile and those eyes light up. I mean, to me, that's just it's tremendous. Yeah. Well, you can definitely – People that are listening to this, you can't see Jimmy right now, but when he's talking about that, like you, I can feel it, you know, in your eyes, and I can feel it um, just you saying that. Like he has a passion for this game, and uh, I'll be honest with you, we need more coaches like you. We need coaches like you that pour into kids that understand that football is football, and baseball is baseball, and basketball or hockey, whatever, if you do tennis, whatever it is. Pour into those kids. Pour into those kids because they get four years of your life and my wife tells me this all the time and I told her I said look I wasn't a very good coach last year just from whatever standpoint I was out of it uh, if I'm being fully transparent um, I just I want to be home with my kids more I want to do more stuff with my wife and I was just questioning like is this what I'm supposed to be doing has God got me on this trajectory of like maybe getting out of coaching to where she said she looked at me right at dinner one night and she goes they deserve everything you got that hits home so much like those kids deserve us to be at our best every day even though when we don't feel like being at our best and it's 180 degrees and satan's got his shirt off and it's in the south and he's like i'm here you know and it's 180 degrees and you know i had one buddy say please somebody tell mother nature whatever she's cooking it is done it is done get it out of the oven but it's so true that that we find people that have a passion. Like I said, I, I wasn't in it last year and I felt it and I think my kids felt it. And uh, that's something I'm challenging myself with. Like, hey, compartmentalize my day. Like when I'm at football, I'm at football and these kids deserve everything I got. And I know if they play for you at KC that they're gonna they're gonna feel the warmth and the energy and the passion that you have for the game come out through you that they're gonna play for you uh, every Friday night. So, uh, Jimmy, I appreciate you joining in tonight. Um, on such short notice and just jumping in and say, hey, let's go record a podcast real quick and, and talk about it because I talked to you today on the way to work and when I was thinking, I was like, I need to get Jimmy on and just talk about ball and talk about how his passion for kids and, and how he loves them and how he coaches them and kind of like your your philosophy on coaching a little bit. So I really yes, appreciate sir. you. Really appreciate you. I appreciate you having me, Coach, and again, everything you've done for me and uh, the resource you gave me Last year, I still, uh, I've got it right next to me. I still use, still use today. So thank you for all that you've done for me, and uh, I'll come back anytime. All right. Let me know how many times you scored this year on 93 Slant. <laughs> yes, sir. Will do. <laughs> all right, guys. That has been the Culture Classroom with Jimmy Estes. Uh, thank you all for listening to the Culture Classroom. Listen to more episodes that are coming out during football season.